to um, Nigeria, which is in Africa, and basically to be raised by my paternal grandparents. So um, just happened that that connection between the two people that brought me, you know, to this world did not work, you know, right after I was born. Um, but I was blessed wow. with having this stability um, of two people, my paternal grandparents, um, to provide the love, the nurture that any child will need. And that has really been the anchor and the stability in my life. I always make fun now when I think about it. I said, think about that 16-hour flight of a, you know, of a four, five, or six months old that I'm grateful I didn't end up in China, right? Because I was by yes. myself. So, um, and uh, I always say, if I ended up in China, I will, I will end up speaking, you know, Chinese. So that was uh -huh. something would have come out of that. Um, <laughs> so, um, being raised with that, I had the opportunity to learn about the culture, the language, the people. Of course, I I went to school there, uh, went to boarding school there for um, my K through. Um, Twelfth um, grade and finish went into what you would call the um, junior college and then from there went into college and started out in biochemistry and um, my first uh, semester of college was very frustrating and daunting almost flunking out because of the physical the heavy physical science required and so changed my major to microbiology and so um, was able to do some of that and then came back to the United States where I finished my microbiology first degree. And um, that began my journey of um, all things education. And so started out as a food microbiologist for one of the top milk companies. Um, but I did this all by myself in the lab, testing, you know, the validity of the milk that was packaged to consumers and I realize I'm missing a key thing of what I love to do, people. Um, so I was by myself in the lab, you know, and testing all that. And that began my thrust um, right at that point that we had our oldest and um, with a desire to teach um, her about the things of God and Lady Foundation. We started, you know, teaching her how to read. She was very precocious and started reading at age three. So that began the thrust into education that, hey, guess what? We can just teach our own children how to read. And um, as the other three, um, the other two came on, so all three of them, they were homeschooled for 11 years. That was the strong foundation into education. When they wanted to do a special program in education called the IB program, International Baccalaureate, it wasn't available to homeschoolers. So, um, we prayed and had the release um, from the Holy Spirit to send them into public school. Well, you know, um, if you've ever been around the homeschooling community, that's like a big no-no. You don't do that. You know, no. And not only within the homeschooling community, we were also homeschool leaders. So we were national homeschool leaders. We had um, a state organization wow. that had groups. San Antonio was actually one of the cities that we had groups in. And that was a big no-no. Our leaders sent their kids to public school. Nobody does that. But that was what the Lord was leading us to do and that with them going back into public school i was 
able to go back into public school as well. And so um, being an educator in different facets from being a classroom teacher, um, administrator, central staff, um, regional staff, um, state um, consultant, um, national consultant and international. So I've had that opportunity and it's given me a lens to always look at things from different perspectives. But I think the biggest thing for me as um, a minister of the gospel is always looking at this God perspective in every area of life. So that's, um, uh, that's a brief on me. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, quite the, quite the experiences uh, that are, that, that are super unexpected. I see that pattern through your life. So we'll come back to that okay. right as we bring you back on stage. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. Hey, and welcome in Vision Pros. I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. I'm excited that, I'm excited to have Dr. Faye Obamahinti on our show today. We're going to be talking about restoring hope after trauma. We're going to find out more about her ex life experience as well and, and how she got to where she's at. Uh, one of the most incredible and interesting things about her life that I'm not sure how common it is. Maybe it's more common than I think, but she was born stateside in Arizona and at four months old, she was uh, sent back to Africa to live with her grandparents. Um, and so when, when we have people who have these extraordinary life tells that are so uncommon, it usually leads to uh, lessons of life that, that, are, that are very important for the rest of us to be able to learn from. Um, and you can go to any history book and find people that go through that, whether it's uh, today we should be honoring Martin Luther King and the interesting circumstances with which he grew up and that led him to his civil rights movement or Harriet Tubman, or we go back to Moses and Joseph and the coat of many colors. There's so many different people throughout life that we can, we can gather so much knowledge from because of the extreme circumstances with which they were born and raised. And now we get to the same life with Dr. Faye. So I'm excited to bring her on before I do. I always want to give a shout out to these sponsors that are listed here. One of them being Sean and Juliana, Lechuga from the Wellness Shop 360, their holistic program for helping people with health. Uh, what strikes me about it, if we just, uh, we're going to scroll down here to their their uh, 365 life wheel. Cynthia, si podemos bajar hasta la rueda, por favor. This is what struck me about their program is how much they focus on holistic wellness, not just from, uh, not just from meditation and nutrition and exercise, but also looking at joy, spirituality, creativity, finances, career, education, health, and beyond. And I was like, wow, that's that's probably the most holistic program I've seen related to health. And I'm excited to continue to help them get that off the ground and move that forward. Then there's the Lost Spot with Melissa Gray. The Lost Spot is one of those entities where when I came across it and I came across Melissa's personality, I thought, man, I, I can't think of too many entrepreneurs that I know that have legal representation uh, in their pocketbook. Uh, most entrepreneurs that I know, they wait until they have some type of disaster to get in touch with somebody and to put somebody um, on their vendors list. 
Uh, so when I met Melissa and I saw how much of a nurturer she was, in addition to how much she understands professionally about legal advice, I said, you know what, this is an amazing program. I've got to learn more. And we dove in deeper and deeper. We spent five to six hours together before deciding to um, make strategic plans to work together. Um, so thelostspot.com is what Melissa is building out. And ultimately, the goal of the Lost Spot is to bridge the gap between uh, the online automated programs such as uh, Law Depot or, or Crocodoc. Uh, I think I think one's called Crocodoc. What's another one? Rocket Lawyer. Um, th those are good entities that can get you free or super, super cheap information. But when you need represented, uh, I know a lot of entrepreneurs that end up being represented by by lawyers that are on retainers of $600 an hour or more and lawyers that happen to be very aggressive with how often and how much they bill you. And that can kill a small business fast. So if you're looking for representation, uh, I highly recommend doing so before you're in a position of need and finding somebody like Melissa who is able to help you understand what your options are uh, before you get in a position where you need it. And then, of course, there's the water project. The water project being my favorite go-to cause to support. There's millions of people in this world who don't have access to clean drinking water. And whether it's the children or it's the parents, somebody's making a sacrifice, whether it's uh, losing out on some of their education to go find water um, or whether it's missing work because they need to go find water to provide for their family. They usually have to travel several miles or several kilometers to find a source of drinking water that may or may not be safe for their family. When you know, when you need water, sometimes you go for, you know, what's what's right there rather than making sure that it's as filtered as possible. Now, the Water Project finds these areas of Africa that really need support in those communities, and they create a plan for creating a sustainable water project. And then you get to fund that exact plan. And, and if you fund it for a dollar or you send a thousand, it doesn't matter how much you send, you're going to get an update of what's going on with that community, what the outcome looks like how the people are going to sustain that. Um, there's a lot of transparency built around that. And I really, really appreciate that. And it's just awesome too, to know that the impact that you're having could be a generational impact that that blesses these people's lives for decades. Um, so if you have the opportunity to get back to that, awesome. If you don't, then I would ask that you just share uh, the information that you just learned about. You don't have to share it through our channel. You can share the Water Project directly on your own. And if you do have a cause that you'd like to see us support as well, don't hesitate to drop that in the show notes for us. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on Dr. Faye and we'll get started. Dr. Faye, thank you so much for joining us at Vision Pros Live. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Jackson. And um, I love hearing about your sponsors and a big shout out to them. Each one, uh, um, great courses, you know, from wellness to um, legal representation to the water project. Um, those are dear courses as well. So great job. Thank you. We appreciate that. And so I got to ask from your perspective, because this is such a new subject to me. Um, is it is it common for somebody to be born in the United States and then within their first five years uh, be sent back to their home origin, whether it's Africa, um, South Korea, etc.? Do you know a lot of people who go through that experience? Um, to be honest, um, when I started the research for my life story a um, couple of years, that was released in 2019, I believe, I did not find many people. Um, I have a dear friend, on the other hand, that was born in Jos, Nigeria. Jos, Nigeria is the northern part of Nigeria, and her parents were missionaries, and um, she was born there. 
and came back to go to school here. And so we um, normally kind of make fun and she is Caucasian by the way. And so we normally make fun and she's like, I'm Nigerian. And I'm like, I'm American. <laughs> so, and even, you know, to take it further, I say, I'm African-American. And so um, I have not seen many. I would love to meet um, many. Um, I know most of the statistics show a lot of people that were born here and traveled at least when they were like maybe seven, eight or nine, um, you know, of their mm -hmm. life, but not like, you know, the first six months of a new life. Um, you know, that's, yeah. you know, I, I, um, that's pretty much, I know that's pretty much like um, a special unique situation. So um, yes. I'm used to that. So, <laughs> and I always just say, sometimes when we read the Bible and, you know, for those that, you know, have, you know, have faith as a crucial point of their life, we will see so many stories like that. Many stories that sound almost impossible, um, sound almost unrealistic, but it is. And I love that you mentioned um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. because, you know, um, on a day that we're celebrating who he is, his legacy, you know, I'm remembering some key quotes that are so dear to my heart. You know, um, one like the urgent question is, you know, what are you doing for others? Um, one like in the end, we will not remember, you know, the um, words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. And um, the one that really sticks, which is in line to this question is, is, you know, we're not makers of histories, but we are made by history. So uh, my life story is that I did not choose that. And um, it's something that, you know, happened, right? It's not something in my um, wildest dream. If I had a choice, yeah. I would choose, right? Um, so it's the same, you know, when you have a baby that is born, that baby um, did not make a choice to be born, right? And the baby is there. And um, I see it more like, God's divine, um, you know, orchestration of life and events, and even the opportunity to have um, family in terms of my paternal grandparents, mm -hmm. give me the nurture and stability. Um, that in itself is divine. And like I was sharing earlier, that put on a plane of 16, 17 hours, you know, by yourself and left to be taken care of by the air hostesses, which I, I, you know, it took me a while, but I realized I have a, an affinity, you know, whenever I fly for, you know, the crew, but there's a relation to that, a relation that at one point in time, these are the people that God used to take care of me on that long journey, right? They were yeah. taking care of me. And so um, that speaks a lot. That speaks those key things, you know, to me in my life. And so I, I answer that in the sense that um, in any life, when we read through the Bible, that, you know, God is going to use or do something through their lives. There's always this um, key point that seems unbelievable, unbelievable in the sense that really, really, really? Yeah, but that's the story. Yeah, by myself on that long flight from Phoenix, Arizona all the way to um, Nigeria, Africa. So, yeah. Absolutely. And, and let's talk about your vision for Oasis Connection Ministries and, and what you're building uh, over here. Who's, who's Oasis Connection Ministries for? Before we get into who can get involved, who's it for? 
Great question. So um, the vision of Oasis Connection Ministry is for um, the body of Christ. And we, we do a lot of um, equipping, encouraging, and building um, as a means of um, a resource depot um, for pastors, lay leaders, and, you know, that comes in different forms. So we do that. And we do that, you know, through our TV program. It's actually on Mondays um, through um, Preach the Word Network. We do that through our um, podcast, um, Oasis of Hope. We do that through our conferences, through our training. Um, we do that um, in different outlets. We have a weekly newsletter, a weekly prayer um, in encouraging the body of Christ. Through that ministry, started out in um, 2009, 2009. And so we've been at this for a long time, a long haul um, in giving people hope. So we believe strongly on the fact that God's word, it's not to be used to beat people down. God's word is meant to use to build people up, to give them hope so that if they were down and they couldn't continue, the word that we share with them puts something in them, which is called strength or energy, and they can get back up and they can keep going. And also we believe on the transformative power of love the love of God mm -hmm. and the love of God in its purest form is one that doesn't seek out. It gives to bless and doesn't give to get. And so Oasis Connection Ministry is all about that. And every facet of what we do is to bless and not to get. And Oasis Focus Inc., on the other hand, is a circular outreach. So Oasis Connection is for the body of Christ, people um, that already, you know, have faith, they're leaders, um, they need resources, they need help. We come alongside and we provide that. On the other hand, Oasis Focus Inc. is totally circular. <laughs> and so, um, and we do a lot of outreaches, a lot of outreaches in terms of food distribution that we do in different times of the year, um, Easter time, summertime, um, Thanksgiving, Christmas time. And, you know, we partner with um, sponsors that provide, um, you know, those resources for our communities. We normally work in communities that are called, um, you know, disadvantaged communities or distressed communities. And we go in basically as an ambassador of hope, ambassador of God's love, blessing them. We've developed relationships through the years because you can't go into those communities um, like a savior kind of mentality. No, you go within the communities to be part of the community, part of the solution, mm -hmm. part of the discussion, part of the collaboration. And that's how you um, effect the change within the community. And so through the years, we've been able to partner with great community organizations that we're able to provide resources for them to provide also, um, you know, to their network of people that they work with within those communities. So Oasis Focusing is totally circular. It's an outreach and um, it's under the umbrella. We care outreach. So we do different things things, back to school events, you know, um, that we have, we collect different items through the year so that we're able to do that. That's that. And then there is the wellness project. 
the wellness project um, is one that basically it's all about helping people um, restore hope in their lives um, after traumatic events, traumatic situations, and letting them know that um, they're not what happened to them. Um, they are loved by a God that, you know, loves them so much and wants them to get back on their feet. And one thing I always get is where was God when that happened? Well, you know, it's a great question. Where was God when, you know, I was abused, you know, you know, in different form, whether sexual abuse, emotional abuse, and all the abuse, where was God? Well, he was there. He was there. Um, and that is the honest stack truth. So in my situation, when I look back, where was God? God was there in the form of those airline crew that took care of me. Even though no one will think in their wildest dream to, um, you know, it's not something that will even cross my mind, you know, as a mother of three daughters, right? Um, actually stayed home um, to ensure that they, get what I didn't get, because normally that's how you set legacy and that's how you you break destructive cycles, right? And so being able to do that was important. But when you think about it that, well, where was God? He was there in form of those crew. They made sure I was fed. They made sure that dirty diapers were changed, you know, um, 55 years ago. They made sure that if I needed um, to um, sleep, if I had a cry, they were there. And they made sure I was delivered safely to the country that I was going to, you know. I mean, four, five, six months, you don't know what's going on around you. So I could have been dropped off somewhere. But they made sure of that and ending up with, you know, my paternal grandparents. So God was there, even though it was um, a horrific, you know, thing that one will say, you know, um, the separation and all of that. But God was there. And I always say the same as well for those that have experienced traumatic events or situation. God was there. Just look for him in that way. And many times when we look back in hindsight is when we can recognize that indeed that was God. So for me, um, instead of being wound up in all the um, negativity surrounding all of that, right? Being wound up in all of that and allowing that to be the thrain of thought, I'm able to see the hand of God. I'm able to see the goodness of God, that even within that 17 hours flight, God was there in each one of those crew members that took care of me because 17 hours is a long time for a little baby. And having raised three children of our own, taking care of a crying baby at night that needed to be fed, that needed diapers, that had colic, that was sick, that had temperature and all of that, for whoever those set of crew were to be that for me on that plane, that was God. And so, um, and I always say, always think, but when, when we look in hindsight, we're able to see and make those connections. Um, at that moment in time, um, when our hearts are broken and shattered, we're not able to see those pieces all, you know, divinely orchestrated. So, yeah. Awesome. And 
Let's dive into another subject. We're going to dive into a, a darker side of life um, as leaders we face this. Um, what would you say your worst leadership experience ever has been or worst leadership experience that you've seen? What does that look like? Wow. Uh, both. I've seen both. I've been recipient of both. And I think many times um, we tend to, as leaders that have gone through things, and helping people to be better in their lives, we tend to take those sour um, lemon experiences and transform them so that we can help others. Um, one of the key things that I've been, that I've seen, bullying, harassment um, in, and I, I don't want us to think this way now that, oh, maybe it's in the world. I've seen it everywhere. I've seen it in churches. I've seen it in workplace. I've seen it in school. Um, and many times um, I, I made excuses for some of those um, leadership in different ways. Um, but what something happens when you get whole and you're able to see things differently and you begin to understand the little pieces on that, um, something that um, should not be. Um, I've seen um, other leaders berate people, right? Because they feel they have the power. They feel they have um, the upper hand, so to speak. I've seen them devalue, demean um, humans um, in different ways, you know? So um, those kind of leadership, and I think that's why I have this soft spot I have a podcast called Points of Leadership, always wanting to highlight how leaders can identify great leadership um, because we all can identify what great leadership is. Um, what's leadership experience um, being um, what we will call, I think in the psychological world, they call that narcissistic um, leadership, narcissistic behaviors and tendencies. But this aspect of um, suppressing, harassing and bullying um, people is one of the worst leadership experience ever. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's quite a bit of that uh, that's going on, and uh, it's cool. Uh, Point of Leadership podcast, uh, one to one to pay attention to and look out for. Let's move into the opposite side of the territory. What's your best leadership experience ever? Oh my goodness, I, I have been blessed with lots of those. Um, but you know, as humans, many times is that few experiences that our minds tend to um, get tethered to. And um, it's a life skill to quickly learn how to cut that. And um, instead, we focus on those best leadership experience. I've, I've, again, I've seen best leadership experience when it has to deal with church, school, community, workplace. I've seen that. I've been blessed with that. And I've been blessed and graced with a lot of those relationships that I have some of the best leaders as mentors, um, even. I've seen leadership that shows that they care. And I think that's one of the key things. Um, a leader that cares shows that in different ways, that you know they care for you as a person. Um, not just because you're part of their team, you're part of their organization, um, you're part of um, an initiative that they're doing, but there's this genuine care they have about you. They have this care, they want to see you succeed. And to have leaders like that, um, it's a gift because not all leaders um, you know, can. And also to have leaders that believe this for all people. 
because I've seen leadership that believe that for certain people, certain group of people, and for not another group of people. Um, and I love when I have leaders that see people as people created in the image of God, whether you are talking about Caucasian, Latinos, um, African-Americans, it doesn't matter who you're talking about, but they understand that. And because, you know, a leader can say they care about people, but if you look at their life and you look at the thread that they've woven and you see the pattern that um, their leadership tends to only care for certain people. It doesn't matter what they tell you. Their life thread already speaks the volume that we all need to know that mm, you don't care for all people. Let's be, you know, you can paint the picture. And I think the pandemic has helped us a lot. And I love that that's happening in the discourse of, you know, um, our culture as a people, a whole people, where now people are more critical thinkers. So right. you can easily sell stuff to people. It used to be you could tell them something and, you know, they'll gobble it down. But critical thinkers of our culture are able mm. to look at the thread and say, yeah, what your actions do not line up with your words. Yeah, you're saying you, you care for all people, but we see the thread that you've woven so far and we can tell that you have a disdain for certain group of people. And, you know, so I say that because it's important um, that best leadership cares for all people. And um, anyone, and it's always said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. And they can see that that care transcends all people, you know. And when people see that, they know that because it speaks for itself that you're truly, truly for all people, whether that's school, whether that's community, whether that's a workplace, whether that's church, they'll see that you're truly for all people. Because, you know, I always say you can pull a fast one on people maybe one time, but by the time people get well on the inside, things shift for them and they can see things for truly for what they are. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's big. There's a lot behind that. You did name my favorite quote, which is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, that's my absolute favorite non-biblical, non-scripture quote. Um, Dr. John Maxwell. Yeah. Dr. John Maxwell borrowed that from Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, um, he did? Okay. Who well, might he have borrowed it from somebody else? And yeah, I he uses it a lot. So, yeah, he uses it a lot, and I just <laughs> love that. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'm a huge fan of Relationships 101 by John Maxwell as well. He's a legendary. Yes, he's a, he, he's and, a legend. He's a you know, legend. it's funny. Uh, it reminds me of another – this is kind of a self-quote, but uh, great leaders are also great followers. <laughs> and that's another – reality is you know we're, we're we all have the opportunity to follow and learn from from somebody or anybody depending on how we look at that but That's this critical thinking aspect you're right uh covid did create an opportunity for us to become more critical thinkers and there's there's again there's a concern as a parent um concern as as a um as an individual in society too that i'm a big fan of the quote as well good is the enemy of great and that's one of those scary transitions the world has taken uh, has taken is, you know, we've it's one thing to recognize that there's people with bad intent 
out there. And I think that's what the world has gravitated towards now. It's like, oh, wow, there are people with bad intent. Let's start labeling people, um, you know, and rather than just labeling the action. And those who are truly deceptive in the ways that they do things usually aren't inherently bad. There's usually just a small twist of, of truth. And so while, while the world's progressed to the critical thinking, it reminds me of a homeless guy I brought into my house and I helped him get on his feet. He, six months later, he was able to get his own apartment for the first time. He was able to move on with his life. And just like I anticipated, you know, a, a, about a year and a half later, he came back home. <laughs> I need help again. Much like sending your, your 18 year old child uh, to university and they come back and they've learned some things, but now they need another hand up in order to move to that next level. And at the same time, now they're more difficult because the challenge is greater. They have some of the puzzle figured out, much like going from math 101 to algebra to calculus, right? And if you're, if our, if our arrogance and our pride get in the way of, of that type of learning experience, we, we may not develop all of the critical thinking skills that we need to truly recognize who are these great leaders that are out there. And that's why I'm, I'm so grateful for podcasts like yours, points of leadership, right? And being able to dive in over and over and, and really figure out the depth of, of not settling for good, but really making that transformation to greatness and understanding there's a big difference between those who are good and those who are great and those who are taking good actions versus those who are taking great actions for, for helping society. Um, that would be one of my power lessons is to, to dive in even deeper. If you think your critical, uh, critical thinking skills are good, check yourself and aim for greatness with your critical thinking skills. Now, if you were to share one powerful lesson with other visionaries, they can learn from your experience, Dr. Faye, and this was the last chance, your last critical lesson or powerful <laughs> lesson you could share, what would it be? You know, um, you've said so many things um, right there and I am with you. Um, I have this book sitting on my shelf um, from good to great. Um, so yeah. um, it, it, it's so true and no one sets out to be a bad leader. And there's this concept of um, what they did is bad, but they're not bad. And being able, that takes critical thinking, being able to dissect that and discern that to um, embrace the person and help them in getting up or getting better, it's crucial. Um, because I'm always of um, the mind, um, you know, as a minister of the gospel, the element of redemption and the element of hope, if there's one powerful lesson other visionaries can learn from my experience, is we as visionaries are called to be ambassadors of hope in whatever that vision is. Yeah. And as ambassadors of hope, the ability to be able to separate those two things is so important. Yes, they did something bad, but when you get to know them, they are good people. They are not bad people. And many times our young people find themselves in that quandary that, okay, I must be a bad person because I did something bad. 
I must be a bad person because I made a mistake. And um, as visionaries, we have this powerful um, impact and powerful influence of being an ambassador of hope to restore hope back to that one person, to 1,000, 1 million, it doesn't matter. But seeing that and being able to do that takes critical thinking in the face of the world. But as a minister of the gospel, it takes the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps you to be able to dissect that. And that's what it takes to be able to give people second chance. Second chance for them to get back up. Second chance for them to show the greatness of humanity. That yes, they understand that, yeah, I did something bad, but I'm not a bad person. And yes. many times um, finding that they were bad or they did something bad, Many times, 100%, because I'm, I'm, I'm in the wholeness space and wellness space, has to do with something that was broken on the inside. And when that thing that was broken on the inside um, is fixed, like the world like to say, you're able to see a better person, a better them. That that same person, maybe 10 years ago, yeah, you know, they made those choices that they did something bad. But now within mm. the span of 10 years, they had a visionary um, that um, reached out to them, embraced them, gave them a second chance, and you're able to see the um, greatness and goodness of humanity come out of them. And they're able to say, okay, yes, now they're able to make better choices they're able to um, see things better, clearly. Not everyone can do that. I understand that. But most visionaries that have been in those trenches that you wish someone could be that for you, now when you're on the other side, you actually recognize you are the gift now to others. Yeah, you didn't get it. People didn't do it for you. That's fine. But hey, that's why you're the visionary. That's why now you are the ambassador of hope, the um, encourager extraordinaire to the community, to the world. Now, that's why you are an advocate. You're not an advocate because someone advocated for you. Now, the passion that you have is because at one time that you needed someone to be an advocate for you, there was none. But now that you are now on the other side to be a blessing to humanity, you have that passion and you understand what it means to be an advocate because at one time you did not have one. So now you can be it for others. And as you develop others, they're able to um, also um, are, are able to adjust their thinking and see that and they're able to embrace that, right? And now with that transformation in their thinking, they're able to be it for others. It's like paying it forward. Like paying it forward 1,000 times. Let's go forward and do that. And so it's so important that as leaders we're able, because if our world needs anything right now, that's it. I'm going to share a, a little snippet story that really touched me. Um, 
we were um, looking and hiring, you know, for, um, you know, different people and things like that. And, you know, the processes that go, the company has this first line of, um, you know, uh, screening applicants and all of that. And then it comes to the hiring, you know, um, manager and all of that. And there was this particular video. It made me cry. And the applicant said, all I need is a chance. Give me a chance. That was all the applicant said. And that touched me to the core because the applicant mentioned applying several times to the same place. And it's like, all I need is give me a chance. He had that chance. Hmm. because that is giving people hope. He gave, that gave him hope in the company that gave him hope. And there is this enthusiasm that he's brought to the team, but it gave him hope. I heard what was not said on the screen. I heard, I heard it. I heard it and I said, guess what? Yes, he's going to get that chance. And sometimes God allows each one of us to be that for someone at a specific time yeah. in their life that they're needing something that only you can provide for them and you're able to do that and you do it, you're gone, you know, but it will always be a reference point back in their life because they will always remember that at the lowest point of their life, somebody was there. Now, for some people, you know, um, they're able to do that well. And some people, depending on, you know, different choices and people they have around them, they're not able to get, you know, get up and really go. Yeah, we know that happens. But I like to look at it from the broad perspective of doing that for others, giving people the hope. That's what hope is. Hope is tangible. Hope is not a myth. It's tangible. And it happens in different areas of life where we're able to give them hope. And you say, yes, you, you, you get that. So if that's one of the greatest leadership lesson, powerful lesson I can share with visionaries is we're ambassadors of hope and hope is tangible. And um, if, I, if I look at it even as a spiritual leader, hope is a person is Jesus Christ. And people are looking for us to give them that tangible hope of the person of Jesus Christ. It will be like, I'm out and someone says they're hungry and I say Jesus loves you and I walk I walk off. But in my wallet I have a $100 bill or $50 bill or $20 bill. Do you know they'll understand Jesus loves them if I dive into my wallet? If it's only 20 or 50 I'm able to give them, that message is going to resonate more with them that Jesus really loves them. So, attaching that action of hope of a second chance with the message brings transformation and is able to empower them to actually say, okay, 
I can get up. I can keep going. So that's an example. Yeah, absolutely. It very much can. And I, you know, I'm going to tie two concepts together that you shared. I love this ambassadors of hope aspect. I've got it on the screen now for those who are watching. Um, and there's the ambassadors of hope. And on the flip side, like you mentioned earlier, I love that you said you go into communities, not as saviors, right? But as participants, as part of, you use the word part, I'm using the word participant, very similar words, right? Part of the community um, without that hero's complex. Again, terms worth looking up if you are a leader listening in. And the ability to then inspire people and create a movement by focusing on the virtue of hope is I've seen it play out in many different ways and in many different styles. The other opportunity that's there is when we become an ambassador of hope and we allow people to find their own hope too, their own sense of internal hope. That's something they can carry with themselves beyond, uh, beyond having to rely on us for that sense of hope. So, the, it reminds me of the the story. It's called A Million Miles Away, the movie on Amazon Prime right now. And Jose Hernandez uh, became the first Mexican-American astronaut. And he was turned down over 11 different times from the program. And he finally marched his way up to headquarters for NASA uh, to turn another application in. And they they told him, you are not going to get in. Um, you know, and and his resilience. So, and his family told him he wasn't going to get in. Everybody told him you need to give up on this man. Like, let it go. Um, you know, focus on, on your career and the great opportunities that you have, but he knew what he needed to find. And so while there was this, this brokenness created by the external factors, and perhaps he did some things too in his life that created some brokenness, uh, he didn't allow, he didn't fixate himself on the problems and challenges at hand, he continued to focus on the outcome that was there. So I love Dr. Faye that you said, you know, something that happened maybe 10 years ago. Uh, my hope for those who are listening too is if there's something that happened 10 minutes ago, if there's something that occurred 10 seconds ago, you can gravitate towards this power of hope, create restitution around it, and realize that you can move your life forward. You do not have to sit and suffer because of whatever that is. And if you and you don't need the permission of the world to do so. You know, it does. There's not a matter. You know, oh well, 100 people said you're okay now, so now you can. It doesn't matter what others say. It's between you and God. Yes. You know, and it when and it's in between you and your Creator, you and your cloud, you and your universe, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's that's also between you and and uh, your deity. Um, but that that to me is where a, a true source of hope comes from is, is when we can find that within ourselves, because I think for most of us, the hardest person to forgive is ourselves as ourselves, because we, we have 100 percent evidence that we did something wrong. Right. It's we that's know true. there's no doubt. There's no second guessing when we do something wrong. Um, or we do something that we're not happy with, it's it's so crushing yes. because, again, we have a perfect knowledge that it was out of line with what we wanted. And so when we can exercise the virtue of hope and forgiveness within ourselves um, and learn to do so immediately, the beautiful reality of that is then we can immediately get back on track 
with the great things we can do in this world and that that we don't only have the responsibility to do, but it, it, it becomes liberating for, yeah. for our own journey. So uh, feel free to add anything you'd like to that. We'll, we'll bring up a little bit more about your background, what you're up to in the world, Dr. Faye. Uh, but uh, as we wrap up, any final thoughts you'd like to share? Oh, I love all what you've shared. Specifically, yeah. too, if I can shift you, I want to yes. make sure that we honor those listening in regards to restoring hope after trauma. Um, right. So what, what are your thoughts on that? I love that I, because everything that we've been talking about to this point is about restoring hope, um, you know, uh, in any traumatic situation that might have happened in our life, whether through our own choices or the choices of others. Because, you know, many times um, my grandmother always say, pray this prayer, pray that you, your path never crosses that of an evil person. And, you know, I was little and, you know, it doesn't make any sense. But um, having lived life with different lived experiences, I understand that. That's a big prayer because many times some of those um, ditches we might find ourselves could be the choices of others, um, others that have chosen to, to suppress us, oppress us in any form of way. And I'm saying it because I want to be open. Today's a day that we honor the legacy of a great, um, you know, um, man, a great general of faith, um, Dr. Matthew Luther King um, Jr. And um, I don't want to gloss over, um, you know, the ills of our society is there. Um, it's there in every facet. You know, whether we say school, community, workplace, church, it's there. And having this understanding of the inherency of what this hope is all about is so important, even to a day like this. So I will say that, you know, for, um, you know, for someone like that, that have gone through that, understand that when we say Jesus loves you, he truly does. And I want to speak, you know, um, to this idea that we can forgive ourselves. We tend to do that because we feel that we're our own God, but we're not. Who are we not to forgive ourselves if God says he forgives you? So to sit on the throne of one's life and say, okay, you can forgive yourself is to make yourself a God. Yes. And that's a dangerous place to be. If God says, come to me, confess your sin, and I forgive you, you have to believe exactly what he says. And he says, I make all things new. I'm giving you a new chapter. Take God at his word. But when we sit and we stew and we pity and we can forgive ourselves is because we think we're all that in a bag of chips and we're not. That's the honest mm. truth. We're not God. We're the creator. He's the creator. And if the creator say, I forgive you, receive that gift and let that gift be the uplifting of hope and keep on going and keep on going. And if others make you, because people do that so well, they like to throw shame like confetti to people, whether they're talking here, talking there, find you a new group of people. Those are not your people. They don't want you to be well. They want to have dominance over you so that they can keep, you know, bringing up your past, bringing up your shame. Those are not your people. They don't want you well. They want you broken so you are stuck, so that you cannot move. Those are not your people. 
find people that love you and they love they love you enough to tell you the truth but they understand that the past is the past and they understand that god has greater in store for you let that be the restoration of hope even as you move forward and um i i have a story about the savior complex that you talked about the hero complex it just happened maybe about two months in our community there was this organization that was trying to come within this community and they had you know they did not listen to the people they had this hero complex and this savior complex and um they went to the local government because they needed some things and the local government said no you know why because all the people within that community went to their local government to say hey they're not listening to us they think we're nothing they think they're everything they think they have all the answers they think because they have resources that that's it but we don't need their resources we need people that will participate with us that will understand us that was a big um, um a big view of the value of understanding yeah. you want to work with a group of people with anyone understanding is so important because if you don't understand them it's just not going to. So all my closing Absolutely. thoughts comes to the fact that we are not gods. God is God and he is alone to be God all by himself. So why will you not forgive yourself? Forgive yourself. It happened. But guess what? It becomes part of your lived experiences to be better. You can't help other people when if you don't have some things under your belt. So see the goodness in all of that, that even though that happened, yeah, pick up yourself, keep going. God has greater for you. Go for the greater and all that God has for you. But don't spend another day being stuck, being crushed, whether by your own choices or the choices of others that try to suppress you, that try to use you, that try to abuse you. Know that there's better. Evaluate your circle. And if your circle are the kind of people that don't want you well, they're not your people. Look for others. God has created tons and tons of great people out there that want you to be better, that want you to be well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, very, very powerful. <clears throat> I do want to share one final thought because from a, a scriptural standpoint, um, I have something to meditate on related to this. There was a time where Jesus was challenged on the thought of his godliness and his response was, is it not written that ye are God's? And that, that scripture passage takes place in John 10, 34 as well, as well where he says, know ye not that, that ye are God's. God's. And at the same time, here's, a, here's what we have the opportunity to meditate, meditate on, all of us, right? Is, you know what, if I'm going to take on my role as a son of God and heir to the throne, as Romans says, then I also have to keep my ego in check and say, am I going to create my own path as a potential God of my own life and say, my path is better than yours, or am I going to use my divine powers to align myself with the God of love and hope and follow him in full confidence that, that he knows what is best for me? Um, and so I would, I would only add to the reality of what we're really striving to talk about, which is let's let pride and ego 
go to the side. Let's use our humility and our strength of creating community. And I would say one of the things I gained from your story is the power of contention, which is a power that's not not helpful for relationships, right? If we, uh, you know, Jesus also called that out and said nothing that comes from God uh, it comes from con contention does not bring about any anything wholesome. It's a power of the adversary. And so if we want to be better community leaders, we want to help people achieve uh, goals and growth that we can be proud of and sleep well at night, uh, knowing that, that it came from him, then we also have to recognize that anytime we contribute to contention, we're not doing his will. But no. if we can create it with harmony and respect, um, and, and that means also respecting the fact that some people may or may not want our help, then in my opinion, we're moving towards that greater leadership that, uh, that I'm such a fond, uh, that makes me a fan of John Maxwell and how he teaches leadership. Um, yes. So Dr. Faye, this was awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh. Uh, for bringing your power, your passion, your oh. love as well. All of that's so easily felt. And well, thank you. Grows. It's a great honor. It's a great honor. It felt like, you know, we're at Starbucks having coffee and talking right. about our passionate topics, you know, and leadership is, you know, one of those. So it's been an honor. And um, I, I just thank you for what you're doing and empowering people, equipping people. Um, I think that's one of the greatest um, vacancies we have in our culture right now, especially yeah. our young people. People are looking for hope after COVID, after the pandemic, yeah. boy, families, I mean, schools, churches, people are hungry for hope. And I'm not um, ignorant of the fact that, you know, this is an election year again. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the um, culture will try to pit us against each other. I'm not, you know, ignorant right. of that at all. Um, so as, as those leaders that understand, and I love the fact that you shared the scripture, as people of God, as ministers of the gospel, there's a mandate for us to bring peace within our communities, uh, to, be, to bring it with such humility that it's um, acceptable, it's embraced, because people know, um, you know, they know, um, you know, what it looks like and what that is. So thank you for having me. It's been a Absolutely. great time. Vision Pros, if any of you are up for being on the show, you have a vision to share that's calling you, then absolutely apply on visionproslive.com. Top right corner, be our guest. We would love to hear your vision. And we'll talk to you on the other side. Have an, have an excellent week, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have an excellent time.